Hey, Vincent LaGuardia Gambini. His name's JT. JT. I believe you and Lisa played a game of pool for $200, which she won. I'm here to collect. How about if I just kick your ass? Oh, a counteroffer. That's what we lawyers, I'm a lawyer, we lawyers call that a counteroffer. Let me see. This is a tough decision you give me here. Get my ass kicked to collect $200. Hmm. What do you think? I could use a good ass kick, and I'll be very honest with you. Mm. Nah, I think I'll just go with the $200. <laughs> Over my dead body. You like to renegotiate as you go along, huh? Okay, then here's my counteroffer. Do I have to kill you? What if I was just to kick the ever-loving shit out of you? In your dreams. Oh, no, 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 no. In reality. What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it's time for albums number 70 through 61 as we count down the top 80 records of 1992, according to me, myself, and I, Joey. Let's get back to the countdown. Coming in at number 70, a respectable outing for someone who I'm, I'm not a big, huge fan of, although I have seen him live now at this point. Saw him with a different band than this one. But coming in at number 70 is Danzig, his third solo album, How the Gods Kill. Three, actually, How the Gods Kill. But I like How the Gods Kill as a proper title there, and a leading contender for album cover of the year so far, for sure, with that freaking Boss Geiger album cover. But yes, this album came out on July 14th, 1992. The initial credits say produced by Rick Rubin, uh, also produced by Glenn Danzig, depending on who you talk to. So yeah, Glenn was not always very complimentary about Rick Rubin's involvement in his records, especially over time. So who knows? But yes, this features the still classic Danzig solo lineup. John Christ, Deary Vaughn, Chuck Biscuits. They all sound good together. I never have a lot of complaints about Danzig records. It's mostly just with me. It doesn't really get to that next level. But I totally understand the fandom as well. There's some heavy as hell Sabbath-esque riffs on there. Like on the title track, for instance. And on this one right here, I am going to go with an obvious single. The big launch single from it. 
because I still hear this song on Sirius XM here and there, but I still think it's a badass song, so I gotta put it on my countdown too. Sorry, I'm gonna be basic, but man, when you hear this song, it just it just doesn't get old. So I dig it and I'm playing it. So to kick off the show here today, from Danzig Three, How the Gods Kill, this is Dirty Black Summer. <laughs> Yeah, my 
kicking off the show here today we've got danzig his third solo album three how the gods kill that was dirty black summer of course what a great riff once again good way to kick off the show in my opinion and we're moving along with album number 69 okay so this is the sixth studio album by this band who has definitely gone on a commercial decline at this point they were riding real high at the end of the 80s into the 90s but even their first album of the 90s you definitely could see the drop off happening and by the time they got to this one it had almost fallen off the wheels completely and at this point i don't even see any gold certifications for this one so i don't think it made it there probably did 250,000 if i had to guess at least initially but this album came out on September 14th, 1992, co-produced by the band's manager, Alan Niven, and keyboardist Michael Lardy. We're talking about Great White here, if you didn't know. Their sixth album called Psycho City. Although if I had to guess, just going by the album cover, and I thought this initially too, I figured Old Rose Motel was going to be the name of it, but who knows? But it's... It's a neat album cover, just looking at it here again. But since there is a song on the album called Old Rose Motel, I figured that was the case. Just looking over here at the album credits, I was talking about how Alan Niven co-produced it. He co-wrote like every song on this album as well. That's wild. Don't really hear much about managers doing the writing. But even though there was a commercial decline here, I don't really hear much of a quality drop-off for me personally. Great White never been one of my favorite bands, but I like enough of their stuff, and I'll always give their albums a shot. And nothing really wrong with Psycho City, once again, especially if you're a big fan. I always did like their slow, bluesy kind of jams. I think it suits them really well, so I'm going with something like that to represent this record. You've probably heard Big Goodbye off of that, and that's a that's a fun little song. But prior to that, you had this one, the bluesy ballad jam right here. This is Maybe Someday.
Coming in at number 69, that was Great White from the Psycho City record. And that was Maybe Someday, one of the ballads on that record. And coming in at number 68, one of the really cool bands from the East Coast of all time. Although not their strongest album, which is why they don't come in super hot here on the countdown. But I'm glad they made the countdown regardless. 24 Seven Spies, they're on their third album at this point. And they've already replaced their lead singer, which kind of stinks because P. Fluid being the singer for the band and having a new guy come in, it's not as good as you could tell by the tone in my voice. Jeff Brodnick's is a fine singer. He does pretty well on this record, so I'm, I'm not really hating on him. And it's, of course, Jimmy Hazel's playing in the band is one of the key elements for sure. Just And the hybrid nature of the band overall, which is what makes the band ultimately cool. They always get compared to Living Color, which is not a bad comparison. Although, for me, I usually hear more of the heavier elements of Fishbone in that band. But it's all great association. So 24-7 Spies, third album, Strength in Numbers. It came out on July 7th, 1992. Produced by Terry Date, who has definitely a great ear for hard rock and heavy metal. They were on East West Records at this point, which, and having Terry Date right there, that ties in really well to Pantera, for sure. Because they were on East West at that point, and Terry Date produced their records. So I guess Terry was the in-house East West heavy metal weird guy. I don't know. But getting back to 24-7 Spies, I always try to listen to this album with fresh ears, and I only get about three quarters. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. So, But it's got a handful of breakout songs for me, and this being one of them for sure. I like Crime Story as well. I almost played that, but I'm going to go with this one right here. It's kind of the tone of the times. Much like Crime Story, it definitely is a social commentary of the times for sure. I'm pretty sure this one's about the Gulf War. So a little late on that front, but I still dig the song. And even if you're not into the commentary, the music on this track is pretty insane. They kind of hit all of their styles on this one song. They just get it all out there for you. So to give you an idea of what this record's about overall, I'm playing this one right here. It's called I'm Not Going.
Coming in at number 68, the top 80 albums of 1992. That was 24-7 Spies from the album Strength in Numbers. That song was called I'm Not Going. Hope you enjoyed that. Moving over here, album number 67. It's this solo artist and legendary artist, I should say. Hall of Famer, for sure. This was his 23rd album, and unfortunately his last album. Now, the asterisk on this... It is released posthumously, so some people consider this a hodgepodge more than a proper studio album, but it was put together and sequenced like it was his last studio album. It was mostly done all in the same session period, so I think it counts as a studio album. It's a good note to go out on, so I'm including it here on the countdown and worth checking out. So on October 20th, 1992, the very last album by Roy Orbison came out. The album's called King of Hearts, produced by Jeff Lynne, and you'll be able to hear that sound on there. Much like the Mystery Girl record, which is what garnered his comeback, and of course working on the Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 record, you're going to hear that sound on this track for sure, and all throughout most of the album. So yeah, respect. Roy's one of the greats of all time, and he sounds great on this. He, he always sounds great. That guy had one of the great voices of all time, for sure. 
And I remember when this came out, I was like, damn, I love this song. And apparently he was the first one to record this. So this song actually came out in 1989 as a Cyndi Lauper single. And I, like I said, I think this is a perfect song. And just hearing Roy do it, it's, it's got the same theme and feel around it. But just to hear him sing it as well, you know, and I think Cindy's a phenomenal singer as well. But hearing Roy do this also just puts the song in another stratosphere. So it's all good. So I wanted to use this song to represent Roy's very last record. Uh, so check it out here. This is Roy Orbison doing I Drove All Night. The city was sticky and cruel Maybe I should have called you first But I was dying to get to you I was dreaming while I drove The long straight road ahead Uh-huh, yeah Could taste your sweet kisses Your arms open wide This fever for you was just Oh, oh. 
Going out on an epic high note right there. That was Roy Orbison. That song was called I Drove All Night from the King of Hearts record. There was a real good two-disc essential legacy Roy Orbison best of. That song is actually on there if you can track down that set. They need to put that on vinyl, man. That thing would sell really well. But however you get it, get it. Because, like I said, that's a perfect song. If you've never heard that version before, let me know what you think about it. All right, coming in at number 66 right here is a band that I actually didn't expect them to be on this countdown. Once again, not hating, but I just don't dig their albums top to bottom for the most part. But they have about three albums that could potentially break through on my countdowns. So from a period between 87 and 92, they put out their three most accessible records, and it suits them. Being a little bit poppier and a little more accessible definitely suits them in my opinion so on april 21st 1992 the cure put out their ninth record wish sound was produced by david m allen and this album did better than i thought it would honestly of course i'm not even gonna say i don't like friday i'm in love i think that's a great pop song and come to find out that actually wasn't the first song released as a single for the record and i did not know that it's actually this song right here that i'm gonna play maybe they actually just serviced this song to some of the radio stations that were already playing them before this and they had quite a few extras at that point playing them for sure but yeah, I'm going to go with this. I like this song. So, to represent the Wish album, this is The Cure. And the song is called High. Yeah. 
A nice lush production right there from The Cure on their outing there. Wish coming in at number 66. And now for something completely different here at number 65 with Neurosis. Yes, Neurosis's third record, Souls at Zero, came out May 19th, 1992, produced by Bill Thompson. What can you say about Neurosis? There's not a whole lot to say about Neurosis. They're very on the nose about what they are. They're sludgy. They they do experimental type stuff, but mostly it's just heavy ass metal. Like you can count on them to deliver music like this every time. And that kind of expectation should not be considered a lesser law. The ACDC factor, if you will. Just because they're not playing 4-4 music doesn't mean they can't come through with the same album every time and pull it off well. So I appreciate Neurosis for that reason. And I'm just going by the opinion of the albums that I've heard. I haven't heard every Neurosis album top to bottom, but every one I've heard sounds like this album here, Souls at Zero. I'm sure Randy Brown could give me a hell of a one-on-one on them, and I'd welcome that. But yes, I hope I picked a good song for you here, Randy. Gonna go with this one right here. So turn it up for Neurosis. It's going to melt your ears. This is Sterile Vision.
yes, the soft rock stylings of Neurosis, their album Souls at Zero right there. The song was called Sterile Vision, hope you enjoyed that. We're moving over here to album number 64 of 1992 with the second album by Love Hate, who, I gotta say, this second album here, I like a lot better than the first album. I know a lot of people like Blackout in the Red Room. I think it's okay, but I think Wasted in America is a better album. So fight me, I suppose. No, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to fight over this one. I definitely prefer to die on another hill. But once again, I do like this record. This album came out sometime in 1992. I don't even have a release date for it. I even checked Discogs for that one. But this album was produced by John Jansen and, of course, Jizzy Pearl, a true renaissance man in rock and roll. He's got a lot of things going on at all times. Check out his autobiographies. He's an interesting cat, man, I gotta say. And I wonder how well the third album, Let's Rumble, is gonna do on my countdown, because I actually kind of like some of that record. So, till then, we're focusing on Wasted in America, the second love-hate record. And for me, I think it was some of the more interesting detours that the album takes. Like this one right here. I mean, I definitely thought about going with Happy Hour. That really almost made the show here tonight. But it was between Happy Hour and this one right here. So I'm going with this one just because, I don't know, I guess in a post-Rodney King world, we need anthems like this. And I mean that. You know I mean that if you're a friend of mine. You know that I'm being genuine about that. So, from Wasted in America, this is Love Hate. And don't fuck with me.
All right, some love hate for you right there. The song was called Don't Fuck With Me. That was from Wasted in America. And uh, so I am a big Quiet Riot fan. If you know anything about me, you know I'm a big Quiet Riot fan. I've often called Kevin DeBro an irreplaceable voice, and he is. But I did go online recently, and, you know, as a lot of nerds do, they just record the whole show. And so I watched a good amount of Jizzy Pearl once again singing lead vocals for Quiet Riot. And I may change my tune. I may actually go see them if they come through town here, celebrate that music. It's like the only person that has any kind of ties to any classic lineup of Quiet Riot is Chuck Wright at this point. I know Alex Degrassi like owns the band outright, apparently. But Jizzy does a pretty damn good job at those Kevin DeBro songs. And Jizzy has his own very distinct vocal stylings. But yeah, you know what? It'll be a good time. I'll go give it a shot. Why not, right? Let's have some fun, damn it. We're due for some fun. And speaking of fun, this band right here from Brooklyn, New York, motherfucker. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting into the getting into the mood here. Because we're gonna talk about Biohazard, who has the number 63 album of 1992, with their sophomore album, Urban Discipline. And the three quarters of this album that I like is super strong. So we're getting into uh, definitely a new tier, I think, with this album. I quite like Urban Discipline. I'm actually surprised it's this low. But hey, the scoring system doesn't lie sometimes, with little exception. But this album came out on November 10th, 1992, produced by Wharton Tears, who apparently is known as a no-wave type producer. So it's interesting that he would do a biohazard record, but I think it came through with a really good sounding record, you know, especially 1992 right here. Biohazard is definitely one of those cool bands of 1992. Of course, who could forget their slam duet with Onyx? They're just a cool bunch of guys, I think, you know, hardcore. I believed it. I bought into it for sure. I was definitely tempted to go with Punishment, which is the obvious song off of this record. But you know, I really enjoyed this one. But I, I just, I, I never made the correlation that this was a cover song. I had heard the record uh, and I owned it way later on after its run. But finding out years after the fact, this is a bad religion cover and it's towards the end of the album. But it lends itself so well to this band. So I'm going to include it on here in case you've never heard this or you've never gone down the Urban Discipline road here. You should. So here's Biohazard with their version of Bad Religions. We're only going to die from our own arrogance.
All right, Biohazard right there. Keeping it hardcore with a Bad Religion song right there. We're only going to die from our own ignorance, from Urban Discipline. If you need a nice shot in the arm, a little cup of coffee, then put that record on. It'll do you some good. Now coming in at number 62, another album that would get that job done because they're always very high energy. I always appreciate their records. They have never like just like blown me away, but it they're consistent, damn it, and that should be applauded. So this band right here all course the uh you know of the descendants family tree yeah all a-l-l by the way in case you missed that they put out their fourth studio album on may 12th of 1992 called percolator hey speaking of coffee i didn't even mean to do that all right so yes this album was produced by bill stevenson co-produced by steven egerton steven egerton man that guy's a huge talent uh this album was recorded in a bunch of different studios but most notably over at arden studios in memphis which Go look that studio up. So many great things took place in there. You can talk about all the local stuff, uh, stuff like Big Star Records, ZZ Top Records, they record at Ardent. But also a good sounding record here in Percolator. So I, yeah, I recommend most any all records. They don't really have any bad records. Once again, they're very consistent. So on this go around, I actually wound up picking the song that was the quote unquote single off of this record, but I'm sticking with it. Not very punk rock of me. But I'm doing it anyway. I really like this song. So, to represent Percolator by the band All, this is Dot. is a catchy song if you ask me i think i picked a winner right there that song was called dot by the band all from their album percolator of course from 1992 the last album represented on this particular episode coming in at number 61 is yet another one and done i played bad for good on a previous episode this is another one 
where there was not a second album. The band only lasted a couple of years, but I remember reading about this band before the album came out, and this was due to actually an association they had with Tommy Lee at the time. Tommy was, I guess, kind of courting the band, helping them out, get into the biz, that kind of stuff. You got to know somebody in show business, right? And I remember hearing him say, yeah, I'm producing some of their demos and I might produce the album kind of thing. I think he wound up producing like a song or two on the record. But this band I'm talking about here is called Electric Love Hogs. It's a self-titled album. I don't have a release date on this one, but I do know that Mark Dodson produced this record. Now, he had produced a top 10 record from 1991 for me, the first Infectious Grooves record. There's a tie-in to that record on here. And from a production and performance standpoint, this album is very similar at times to that first Infectious Grooves record. Not coincidentally, Stephen Perkins of Jane's Addiction plays some percussion on here, and you can definitely tell when he comes in on this record. If you're any kind of fan of him or that Infectious record, you're going to know when Stephen Perkins is playing his percussion on this record. So that all being said, I'm going to give you some more background on this band because it's kind of interesting where they all landed. Even though they didn't make it, even the, the drummer of this band, this guy named Bobby Fernandez, he wound up playing drums for Orgy, which that's a decent footnote right there. But then one of the two guitar players in the band is Dave Kushner, who wound up being the other guy in Velvet Revolver. No disrespect. I would have loved to have been the other guy in Velvet Revolver. And on bass, this guy named Kelly Lemieux. Now, Kelly played on this album that I really love in the mid-90s called MD45, which was a one-off that Dave Mustaine did with Lee Ving. He played bass on the original version of that record. His tracks got erased later on when Dave re-recorded it with his vocals and played bass on it. But also an interesting fact about this band. Now, he wound up joining another band in 2000, and that ties in to the lead singer and other guitar player of this band. It's a guy named John Feldman. If you don't know that guy's name, he is the leader, lead singer, and writer, and all that stuff for the band Goldfinger. Now, you're not really going to hear a lot of punk and third wave ska influences on this record. There's a little bit, but like a lot of these cool early 90s bands, this is a hybrid band, much like I talked about with Infectious Grooves and, you know, bands like Fishbone, Love Hate, people like that. So I found this record to be interesting. Obviously, with all this background, I was probably going to give it a decent pass, but I actually wound up going on eBay and buying the CD because I never owned it before. And I was like, great purchase, $10, done, got it, I own it now. So yeah, Electric Love Hogs, debuting here at number 61 with their self-titled One and Done record. So to close off the show, I'm going to play you a song that I, I think represents the band pretty well, much like I did with that 24-7 Spies track. It's kind of lets you know what they're all about in this one song. So here you go. This song is called Goodbye. <laughs> Ah! 
Closing off the show here tonight, but fittingly closing with a song called Goodbye. That was the Electric Love Hogs coming in at number 61 on our top 80 records of 1992. We, of course, have 60 records more to go before Christmas, so stay tuned, won't you? They're pretty much coming in two a day. So until the next episode, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have Rock Strikes 10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.